0: Hi and welcome to Talking to Artists, a casual weekly conversation where artists share their inspirations, process, challenges and business ideas to give art lovers and aspiring artists a peek behind the curtain. I'm Kate Taylor, full-time Canadian artist and your host today. Thanks so much for joining us. Good morning and welcome to episode 47 of Talking to Artists, a weekly chat where we, uh, where artists have the opportunity to hear from other full-time artists about their techniques, their process, their business tips, and it's also a place for art collectors and art lovers to kind of understand a little bit about what goes on behind the curtains in the day of a full-time artist. So a couple of things I wanted to chat about before we bring on Karen. I'm involved in a couple of shows right now. Rave New York, as many of you may have remembered, I did Rave San Diego about a month ago. Now it's Rave New York, which normally I would potentially be in New York, but obviously are not doing that. That's going to be live stream starting April the 22nd. So if you go on the link to my bio, you can find out there they're going to do interviews. They're going to be interviewing artists as well as collectors and talk about how to build an art collection. So there's some really great stuff that's going to be there. And all the pieces are going to be for sale on my website. Then I've got the uh, Square Foot Show that is run by Julia Veenstra. I've got three of my pieces in that show this year from the series that you can see behind me. And so that is on April 21st. And again, link in my bio. Get there right at 8 o'clock when it opens because last year everything kind of got scooped up pretty quickly. So uh, we're all hoping that that will be the same, same case this year. And then the third one is I'm also involved in the Art Gallery of Hamilton show as well, which is also running on the 22nd. So if you go to that website, there's I think 62 artists, all different styles, Uh, really great stuff. So it's kind of uh, lots of things to do if you're looking to brighten up your daytime. So today, super excited to talk to my art sister, Karen Taylor, who I first met actually at the very first show I ever did. She was so wonderful and supportive and we've really been friends ever since. And I've really missed getting together with her and her husband Uh, because of COVID. We haven't been able to get together. So looking forward to chatting and I'm going to bring her right on. So I think she's going to be talking from her studio as well. So that would be cool. And here she comes. Hey, how are you? (laughs)
1: Great. How are you doing? Good, good. Well, it's been so long since I've seen you. I love your hair. It's one of my it's one of my own creations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too.
0: Yeah, <laughs> uh, my uh, my sister said that she basically just took her hair and just like chopped the scissors on both sides. She's like, I was just getting
1: so tired of it. <laughs> well, it was really good this time. I didn't snip anything off my knuckles this time, which is like when i do the back of your hair. I kept like snipping bits off myself trying to do it. But... when well, you can't use your husband to, uh, <laughs> to to do that. Do you know what? my husband? Dave is a wonderful man. He's very capable in many ways, but he is never coming near my head with a pair of scissors.
0: You know, you'd be surprised. Well, not scissors, but I had, uh, I was getting like this, you know, the mix of gray and dark and whatever at the top. So I bought one of those really bad frost and glow kits, you know, what you use when you're a teenager and you pull all the hair through the cap. Rob's really good at that. (laughs) Mm. It's amazing how your quality of
1: standards get really low. (laughs) I'm getting really good at beard topiary, so like they've got this like big beard, so I get, I'm getting really good at the whole shaping. <laughs> That's yeah. my new hobby.
0: <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so I thought we'd basically start right at the beginning, because I first mm-hmm. met you and I did my very first show, show, which was Riverdale Heart Walk, back I think in 2009, and because right. they used to do the show in alphabetical order, we were beside each other in pretty much every single show in the city, <laughs>
1: right? Because <laughs> we've been so many shows in Toronto, I think we were both coming up on 30 each, I think. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Which was I know it, great. Yeah, it was good, but I just never knew where anything was or, you know, you're promoting one, dropping off for another one. It's just, yeah, it's chaos.
0: Yeah, wouldn't you kind of just like love a little bit of that chaos now? <laughs> or maybe not, but I would. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, little. yeah. I know, it's funny because uh, we're all kind of hoping that maybe, you know, I think you're doing Cabbage Town as well, Cabbage Town and some of the shows in... Summer probably won't happen, but maybe September. And I'm already getting a little bit stressed about, like, I'm not even sure I remember how to do this anymore.
1: <laughs> yeah, and there's all, all, all other sorts of things. Like I have to get like back in my head sorted out because people to be able to see that. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly,
0: yeah. And I have to wear something other than paint clothes. <laughs> I know, just anything else. Yeah. Um. No. <laughs> no, that's not even go there. <laughs> so, yeah, so I just, you know, my memory, too, of that, uh, that first show was, and I think what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is really community. Uh, we'll talk about your art and stuff because I see your amazing piece behind you and I love the colors. But at that first show, too, like, you know, I was really – totally winging it I'd never even been to an art show never participated when I applied I only had seven paintings for the application and I needed seven paintings so when I got in I was terrified and you were uh, were so supportive and so helpful and you probably don't even remember because you just do it naturally anyway (laughs) I just remember at the end of that first day it's like oh thank god I was beside Karen I remember my first
1: show it's exactly the same the Riverdale Art Walk was my first 2007 so that was um i'd only been doing it professionally for two years before that i was a jeweler so i'd done a whole bunch of jewelry shows but doing art was different it feels more personal than doing uh-huh. craft. i thought oh just this is gonna be easy i've done so i did a year as a london stall holder with my jewelry because that's those were the only places you could really you know show in, in london that you could easily get a spot so i thought oh this is gonna be easy i walk into my first raw, and it's like oh i have to this is more personal This is really hard. (laughs) Uh, I wasn't in this at all. So yeah, I'd I'd been through that for about two years when you turned up as my neighbour. So it was like, come over here. Yeah, that
0: was fun. (laughs) 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 yeah and i think that the other thing that i had not had totally not anticipated but has been so powerful in building my career as well is actually the whole community that you meet within these arto shows the artist network you know even the ones i do redwood media shows in the u.s and you have this group of of artists that are really supportive and i think it's you know having come from an advertising industry which is very competitive it was just it took me a while to kind of go yeah this is supportive and this is great and people truly are trying to help other people succeed and I think it's just it's such a wonderful community to be in but I think it also allows you to take risks because you know you have kind of a safety net I guess.
1: Yeah you need someone you can ask those really awkward questions of you're scared to ask anyone else but I mean what we do is we sit in a cupboard and paint. that's what we do, <laughs> yeah. We colleagues in the same way especially if you're like working in a you know a private studio or like you know at home, you just don't have people around you, you don't have colleagues. I mean, I used, to, I came from like a business background where I had people around me and before that I was, I was a scientist. So, you know, you're in a lab, you have, you have colleagues, you have people to bounce stuff off of. So, yeah, I'm very, I think it's very important to find your tribe. Yes, you know, that's, you a, can, that's a good phrase. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, which I <laughs> think people along the way.
0: Yeah. And so maybe you talk. You can talk about your uh, beginning, how you got started, because obviously, uh, as you just sort of touched on, you started off obviously not in Canada. And although it's hilarious that people used to ask us if we were sisters when you obviously have a Scottish accent, and I don't, and then kind of went through the world of science and ended up then jewellery and then into art. Like, such an incredible journey.
1: Mm, I'd, I'd always wanted to be an artist, but it's harder in Britain. It's it's harder. Like, it's if you think about year where you have the upscale Yorkville galleries There's no prices or anything and they're very explosive and that's kind of the scene in Britain when I was looking to pick a career that was that was it there was no um, art in cafes no outdoor shows that's, that's I think that's changing now but back then there was there was really nothing and it was almost impossible to get into art school because the pricing structure was deregulated so it was they could bring in um, foreign students for 10 times the price and there was no limit to how many those you could bring in so as local people couldn't it was really difficult to get in and also I thought I knew better than my art teacher what should go in my portfolio because apparently you can t- you can give me good advice and I'll really take it you know
0: <laughs> yeah well that's all of us <laughs> you yeah, have to but, be a bit delusional to be an artist I think <laughs> 18 years
1: old so yeah I, I, I didn't get in so I thought okay well, definitely, I'll be a scientist because that's you know that's my, my other calling so I did that for years and it was always in the back of my mind to do it um, moved to Canada 2004 and realized that every cafe has an artist in it every you know square has an art show you can just pick up and be an art you know it's it's really easy here because I mean even I remember no one had art on their walls in Britain everyone had posters they prints because there's nowhere to really buy art there was no real art community like there is here. So it was sort of it
0: sounds like it was sort of elitist. Like, you know, if you had art on your walls, it's because you were wealthy and you could afford something super expensive as opposed to just supporting a local artist.
1: Yeah, maybe you just knew where to go get it. You know. So yeah, I came to Canada. It's kind of like the Canadian dream here you know, rather than the American dream. It's like anyone can do anything. It's not about where you studied or, you know, what your past history is. It's just what are you doing right now? And I find that Canadians are re- really receptive to you know the idea of going to a park or going to a cafe seeing something on a wall somewhere and just buying it because they like it i really like that Mm -hmm.
0: and so how did you make that transition then from scientist to artist or you just kind of went to school for it and decided it wasn't for you or
1: well i as i said it's just something i'd always wanted to do i was in a um i was working in this big financial company i was like a project manager Um, i worked in computing i worked my way up to a project manager. I did that for eight years, and I, I hated every minute of it. It mm. just wasn't a good fit. Unfortunately, I was good at it. and, I could <laughs> it. and It's hard to give that up. That, that's, that's really hard. So I've been playing around making jewellery. I, I was playing around as a, a wire sculptor for a while. And I got sick. I got chronic fatigue. And I was really, I was flat on my back for two, two years, around right about the age of 30. And I was on disability, and I just thought, oh, you know, this I'd never, I don't want to go back. I don't want to go back to this job. Part of the reason I'm sick is because I'm so stressed about it, something I hate. And Dave just said, don't go back. We thought hard, long and hard about what it was we wanted from life, and we thought, well, we've been in Edinburgh, we've been in Scotland for a long time, maybe let's just go somewhere else and play for a while. Um, we can come back, we can go abroad, we can do, we can do anything. So we decided, let's just uproot everything moved to London. I was feeling a bit better by then, so I started making jewellery. I was in Camden Lock Market for a year, every weekend. It was an absolute blast. I never want to do it again, because it was so hard. It was really hard work. <laughs> but, uh, I met so many interesting people. It was really, really great. And I feel like that was a step towards becoming self-employed, becoming craftsman artist, And the the art thing just kind of came on from there. When I found somewhere I could show my work, when I moved to Toronto after five years in London, it just seemed like a natural thing to do. I didn't really question it or think too hard about it. I just applied for the Riverdale Art Walk. I got accepted, and that was it.
0: That's a great story. And it's interesting because my guest next week is a Canadian artist who's transplanted to the UK. So Mm -hmm. it'll be quite interesting to kind of hear her opposite story from you.
1: So. Hear about what the art seems like because you know that was decades ago. but mm. You know, I was a long time ago. So yeah, I feel really interested to hear it's changed because I know it has changed.
0: Yeah. Well, that's good. Things are good to transfer. Um, just We had a couple of questions asking if we were sisters. And no, we're not biological sisters. We kind of say we're art sisters because <laughs> we are involved in so many different things. People will get us still confused, not as much as when we were doing a lot of shows together. And I would get calls or emails like, I love this painting. I want to buy it. I'm like, that's great, but it's not mine. It's Karen's. So, scooch off to her website.
1: <laughs> yeah. Someone come up to my show and go, oh, yeah, I really, you know, I, I, there's a painting you had. And we'd be talking about it. This isn't ringing a bell. You look familiar, but this isn't ringing. ah, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's just really interesting. Yeah.
0: Hey, your sound is kind of going in and out, so I'm not sure. Um... So is you. Oh, is yeah. it? Okay. So maybe it's the, it uh, might just be my crappy Wi-Fi then. Probably is. Okay. The cool. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So... And then um, one of the other things that happened, just kind of working a little bit in chrono- chronology, is that you were also the, uh, the kind of the founder of uh, Colour Shift and Solid Colour. So Solid Colour was an abstract art collective that myself and Lisa and, are now involved in. Um, and then Colour Shift was much bar- larger. Do you want to talk about maybe your kind of inspiration and why you chose to do that and what the mm-hmm. thought was?
1: Again, I moved here 2004, started applying for shows 2006. I'd met some people through being a craftsperson because I was doing things like one-of-a-kind with jewellery. So, you know, but you're still trying to build like friendships with people. You're still trying to meet people because you, you know, you come here with nothing. You know, you don't know anyone. And being an artist, it's like, I really don't know anyone. I don't know how to be an artist professionally. I didn't go to art school, so I don't know, you know, just how you go about shows. I don't have any backup. I have no support system here. So I joined the Artist Network and that like, helped me, that set me up for doing shows. There's like, a lot of great help there. It's a great place to go if you're, you're starting out as an artist. It's, a, it's got a lot of really good resources. But I realised that there weren't a lot of abstract artists out there. And I didn't know if that's just because I was new to the country and didn't know them, or there were A lot of the calls at that time would actually say on them, know, abstract plays, I thought. Really? So I'm not saying he's got a complaint, well I do complain. Okay. Um, I like a good moan about stuff, but um, I'm not going to sit back and complain. I'm going, go, okay, what can I do? I know. I'll start up an art group. And also, it was around about the time of, I don't know if you remember the DK group. Uh-huh. We're here and a, a bunch of other artists. They were photographers, and they would go into abandoned buildings and take photographs and show them, and they were, they were showing a lot around the time. And I remember, I, think I was sitting on the streetcar, and there were two people in front of me, and they were talking about a photographer, and I didn't recognize the name. And one of them turned to the other and said, oh, you know, he's with that DK group. I oh, Brandon, I don't know who this artist is. I don't know what the photographs look like specifically. I know exactly what they do. And also, I've been to one of their shows. It's like, it's really friendly. It's a nice atmosphere. It was, yeah, I'm interested, right? Okay. And I thought, well, I want some of that. I'll start my own group. Um, Yeah, it was basically just, um, I thought I'd start up a small one. Just abstract artists, we can um, put on our own shows, we can rent spaces. If we can't find somewhere to show our work, let's make them, let's make a space. And there'd always been a view to maybe making it a little larger, more of a multimedia group. I wanted to bring in like photographers and and encaustic and oil and all sorts of different things. But I realised that our little group was working so well that what I really needed to do, if I was going to do that, was get a second group, a much bigger group, a wider variety of disciplines and book. we can get bigger spaces if there's there more of us. So I kind of like the idea of a little tight group, solid colour, and this bigger group that eventually. Into- yeah. And,
0: and people who kind of would follow, well, both of us would know that both of us and Lisa Hickey are in solid colour. And we used to, for what, five mm-hmm. or six years, did two shows a year at the Witchwood Barnes mm-hmm. community gallery there, which was so much fun. I mean, it was fun for us to do because we goof around and drink coffee and eat all of your amazing homemade baked goods and paint, and talk to people, which I really miss. And hopefully, we can do that again once kind yeah. of things open up. And it's interesting to me too, like because Color Shift originally was about what twelve members, I think, at, at the height. Yeah, um, including people you know like Lori Scantos and Solomon Kami. And it's just interesting to see kind of where they go and how they've kind of how they've changed their careers and moved moved away, sort of.
1: Yeah, I'm in touch with all of them and most of them I think and it's nice to see how their careers are developing all sort of color shift alumni yeah uh, yeah I really like yeah eleven was a lot it was a lot of work but that's the thing because I was doing almost all the shows we were doing for a year at one like, to begin with yeah it was a lot I remember
0: kind of yeah between the shows we were doing with uh, group shows and Color and color shift it's kind of like almost every weekend we were doing a show. Yeah. <laughs> and I was still working. I still was running, running my ad
1: agency that time, too. It, it was, I'm still, i was still, a, I think I'm still doing some jewelry work. I'm still doing yeah. the kind of jewelry for this first initial years. But yeah, I was organizing at least three a year for 11 people. And then were all the other ones that I was, that didn't work out. So I've maybe try and work on maybe like a dozen shows a year mm-hmm. and three pan out. I was just doing so much work. And I, I looked and I realized that Everyone at the shows was talking about all the stuff they were, they were, you know, they were going to be doing their New work, the gallery that they'd gotten interested. And I realized I'm not doing any of that. I'm doing this. So I think after like three or four years, I was like, okay, I'm just going to step back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I think it was a smaller group and it was a bit more easy to handle. Well, um, and I think
0: that that can be a challenge too, because I mean, truly it is like herding cats to try and get our artists to kind of do the same thing, especially because a lot of them haven't, come up through that corporate training where you kind of have a bit of an understanding of, okay, there's a flowchart, there's a business plan, there's a, you know, a to-do list that has to be done. Um, So I think that's kind of a challenge. And I think that it's, you do have to be careful. I was talking to my husband about this this morning, like these, some of these initiatives that you move forward on that are kind of really fun and you do them for reasons that sometimes feed your soul or feed other things within you. But sometimes they take on a life of their own and you have to start to kind of think about, okay, so, why am I doing this and is there still the same reasons I had at the beginning or have I got everything out of that like now I've got my friendships whether or not I show with them or not or is there a good revenue opportunity with it that means that I need to move forward but maybe change the business model a little bit
1: yeah I mean I got so much out of it I met so many great people and we showed in some amazing spaces some really fantastic shows I learned so much about putting on a show from start to finish yeah yeah I mean, I'm never going to not have that. That was amazing. Um, and Color Shift is still going. It's a group of five. I haven't shown in a little while because... I know. Well, Sansan's San's off and you know, Bermuda.
0: <laughs> or she Bermuda? Oh, I can never remember.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're international. That's thing.
0: That, That's right. Yeah. And you know, Mike, Mike Smalley's got his studio he's working through. Yeah. And then it's still Karen, Lisa and I. And Helen, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Six, yeah. So, yeah, it'll be fun to actually resurrect that. And I think the other thought, too, is, um, which I think we were actually just starting to get to the point where we we're talking about potentially doing things like our puzzle Miami and stuff is going down as a collective. So one of the reasons yeah. we did all of those shows was to build a show history. So you could kind of say, yes, this isn't just been put together for an application for this show. It's a mm-hmm. it's a collective that's been going for 10 years and going through its iterations. And that's what we're doing. So yeah, it will be interesting to kind of maybe resurrect that when it's uh, when we're able to. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I think yeah, I think Laurie, when in you interviewed, she said it's ten years. Yeah, yeah, We've crazy. It. Oh my god. Um Yeah, it'd be really interesting to do a bit more in the way of international stuff. But yeah, but that was my focus in those first years, was like build up a resume for us because a lot of galleries it was really hard to get a group show in there because you're unknown. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. At least-
0: and having yeah. enough work. Yeah, truly having mm-hmm. enough work, though, for a solo show is a huge endeavor, too. So, I mean, sometimes it was nice uh, to be able to, because I was also fairly new in it. So it's nice to be able to go in and share the workload, but also share the sitting at the gallery and share your, your space with other compatible artists, because the work looked really amazing together. Um, mm-hmm. And then also, and everyone's marketing it and everyone's kind of bringing their collectors in a, in to the table so i mean it makes a lot of sense to do that
1: yeah and i spent a lot of time documenting everything like so we've got photographs of everything we, we've got this database of photographs that everyone can use if they need them yeah i'm almost more com- comfortable behind the camera so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's the introvert extrovert thing <laughs> yeah. um and so the other uh, the other part too about for you kind of moving and building and kind of continuing to build your art practice was the decision to move out of your home into an external studio
1: best thing i ever did um i'm not going to say i should have done it sooner because everything about this is perfect the people i share it with the space the venue the everything about it is exactly what i would have wanted so it it, i feel it's worked out well in the end but yeah my work has changed so much in the two years i've been here it's been amazing yeah, so I could say, yeah, I should have done it sooner, but yeah, I did it now, and it worked.
0: And so what kind of advice would you give to artists that are just kind of considering moving moving out of their home into like a shared space?
1: It's hard because I've, I've been so lucky with this, and it's my only experience of doing this. So I'd say just try it, try it. Maybe it wouldn't be perfect first time, but maybe, you know, you have to do it maybe once just to see what it is you need from the space as well. Um because all studios are different. I mean, everyone has spoken to about their studio. Some people like it because there's lots of interaction. Some people like the studio because there's no interaction.
0: Yeah, and I think I think that because, I mean, yeah, through your conversations, too, Like, because I had been on the fence as well. We've been talking about it for actually a couple of years, haven't we, about, like, when is it time to move out and have an external space? And so you made that move. And it almost just, just after that, I kind of made the move to do art alchemy. And um, yeah, I think that it it is really important to, as an artist, think about what do you want out of that space and how do you want to structure it? And what are you looking to get out of it versus the, the romance of just having the physical space, you know, Mm -hmm. do you want to share with somebody else or do you not, if you want to share with someone else, what are you looking for in terms of like, for me, it was totally the social interaction Not so much so that it becomes, um, you know, gets in the way of doing the work. But, you know, it was nice for me to be able to say, have somebody in the studio who painted, you know, sort of similarly where I could kind of like Lisa Hickey's in the studio to kind of say, well, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you think? I'm stuck on this painting. It needs to go somewhere else. Or is it working or those kinds of conversations?
1: Yeah, it's, I got it completely wrong about what I wanted. I always wanted a studio, but I always thought it would be just me. I'm socially awkward enough as it is. I don't, you know, the idea of like, you know, being around other people with art and, you know, I'd I'd feel really self-conscious. I thought, oh no, I I really need a little room I can hide away in and and paint. And I I looked at a whole bunch, but it just never, I never find one that I I liked. And then Rob and Jessica were moving and I said, okay, deep breath. If you move to the east side, let me know. I'll be interested. And I moved in and I was terrified of moving in. We laugh about this now, but I was terrified about it maybe. You know, I'd never really shared a space and painted with other people, apart from our demos, which we yeah. But
0: that's that's fun stuff anyway. It's not really
1: serious. Yeah, yeah and I thought, well, what if we don't get one? Because we're friends, but I thought, well, what, you know, you start working with friends, it can be awkward. Oh, God, is this going to work out? I really hope it does. It's a great space. And it's what I needed. I needed to be around people and paint. I didn't, I didn't realise that. Rob and I are here... Sort of nine to five every day, normally in normal times. Um, and we talk constantly about what it is we do. And Jessica comes in now and again because she's on a different schedule because she's out shooting photographs and then editing them. And then she'll come in, so she won't do the nine to five. She'll work like all through the day into the night, and she'll do that for bursts. And then we'll see her again for a couple of weeks. So she's very different. it's great when all three of us are in at the same time. It's really amazing. Um, but normally it's just me and Rob and. I didn't think I'd want to talk about my work. I hate talking about it. I hate doing that. Like, why am I doing this? You know, what am I thinking about? I hate doing that. I really do. I, I, I really clench up and clam up when I'm doing that. But it's so natural in here because um, there's just a, a little back and forth that one of us will be stuck and I'll be like, well, what is it you were trying to do? And we ask each other questions. It's been amazing. It really has been a huge change to my work. It's uh-huh. been really, really yeah. well
0: but obviously too you know i think that you're right and there's a there's a difference between i get along really well with this person when i go and see them at an art show or at the artist project and i talk to them for 20, 20 minutes versus really bringing them into your personal space right which is what happens when you share a studio right and i'm sure it takes a while for that trust level to build too where you kind of feel that you can be vulnerable and know that um that they understand and that there's going to be the ability to have a really deep conversation about it yeah mm-hmm. yeah i mean i have to say i um Art you know, Alchemy has, normally has six artists, so it's a bit bigger because the space that we found. I was also really struggling with trying to find a space that was not going to be downtown because I don't live downtown. And I knew that it's like, am I going to get in the car in a winter day and drive a half an hour to 40 minutes to go to the studio? No, I'm not. I'm going to work at home, right? So I had to have something close, which meant that it was... Uh, unfortunately kind of a, an expensive area of town mm-hmm. but it's been great for us too and I love the fact of being able to host our own shows like the Art Squared and do openings well obviously not now but normally to do openings and to kind of really share what work we're doing or kind of how we're moving the work forward and also just different shows and things like that that are happening which is really great and right now because of COVID of course it's very very restricted so I miss going in <laughs> Cottage Studio is amazing It's beautifully inspiring. It's great to be here, but you do miss that bouncing back and forth with different artists.
1: Yeah, I don't think I could go back now. I don't think I could go back to working from home. I'm only in here three days a week, but you know, three days is, that's good. It it makes a big difference. Um, Because of course now everything's online. Um, All the shows are online. I need two days a week at home, just to do all the admin and keep on top of everything. I know,
0: that takes forever, huh? Okay, so you were talking about how uh, being in the studio has really changed your work. And uh, I know Mm -hmm. you work in a number of different collections with the birch trees and the bold type and uh, reflections. And maybe you can talk a little bit about what you're doing behind you because it's so dynamic and
1: exciting. Uh, This one is a brand new collection, brand new series um, called Bold Type. I've had a fascination with fonts for as long as I can remember. And I've been wanting to do a series to do with fonts since i even since i you know went professional in 2006 so but it's just never worked it's always looked a little cheesy or kind of bolted on and i I could never really work it out um and then this summer it just it just happened it just all i could see it i could see it in my head um and i put the first one down on canvas thinking uh, you know these it's going to take me a couple of goes to get this right. And it, was like, it worked straight away. So, so, yeah, quite happy with this one. Yeah, because I, I grew up in Glasgow, and we have our own font in Glasgow. Really, So always what we are always aware fonts can be different and that you can do things with them. You can be playful with them. You can use them to set tone. I come from the same town as Charles Rennie McIntosh, the artist, architect, designer. I don't know if he's big over here, but he was a huge influence on uh, Frank Lloyd Wright massive influence he is to Glasgow what Gaudi is to Barcelona but um, he has this typeface and you'll see it online it usually goes by the name of like you know Macintosh or Glasgow or Willow which is that comes from one of the buildings he designed and it's a sort of art nouveau font Um, lots of different variations on it but they're all pretty similar so I've just always been interested in it and as I said in the summer this started coming together
0: and is that the Glaswegian font? It's <laughs> extra different one.
1: Uh, this one is actually, I'll swing it around so you can see. So this one. Look at called, that. I know. It's the first four by four, the four by, uh, 48 by 48 that I've painted in a long time. Because it used to be my go-to size when I was doing, it was like a water reflection series. I don't know if you remember yeah. that one. I re- totally one. remember. And they were always huge. Yeah, um, so I've I've been painting a lot smaller because I've been working on different series, but yeah, this is my first one in a while. And it's based on a lyric from a Bowie song, um, Rebel Rebel. We like dancing and we look divine. It's always its favourite lyric from being a tiny little thing. I used to sit in my sister's bedroom and we'd listen to records. Um, I don't think she really wanted me to... Be there because uh, (laughs) I'm eight years younger and I'm like the annoying little sister. But so (laughs) listen listen to records, and this is one of my favorites. So,
0: and I love the colors, I have to say, like they're just so vibrant without being kind of chaotic or overwhelming. Like, you've just got such a beautiful balance between the chartreuse greens and the cadmium yellows and the oranges and the pink, hot pinks. It's just gorgeous.
1: Mm. Well, it's from some glam era um 70s british music so i kind of wanted to get a little bit of that Mm -hmm. yeah
0: um, that's cool and so how did that series come from the birch trees like the birch trees i know you use photo transfers are you using transfers on this as well or stenciling
1: or is just straight painting they're all they're all just straight acrylic on canvas
0: they're really great i love them oh i love your ampersand
1: yeah, I really like. that one. Actually, I did as a series, so there's three of them there's a green one and a purple one as well. 70s yeah. colors. I don't want a real kick of 70s <laughs> color. I'm not entirely sure where that's come from because it's not my favorite color scheme. But yeah, it you know, was funny. That's
0: why I was surprised to see it because normally your colors are a little bit more earthy um, than my color palette. And yet, that one was like, oh, that's my color palette. That's so juicy. <laughs>
1: Well, so I've been painting trees now for a couple of years. There's a lot of green. Yeah. And I was like, I'm oh, itching to do some stuff with some other colours. So now suddenly everything's pink and peach and yellow. <laughs> That's great. And
0: so are you working on both collections at the same time, like the bold font and the birch trees?
1: Yeah, I find that a series for me will, um, it's got a lifespan of maybe about four or five years where I get to the point where I've kind of done everything I can with it. But the overlap, I like to have, two different things going at once.
0: We wouldn't yeah. really do that. It, it's interesting, though, to see how one informs the other. And I, I guess today is World Art Day. So happy World Art Day, Karen. I didn't know that till yeah. I read it in something this morning. So I kind of, uh, for my World Art Day Instagram post, I kind of went through, back through all the pieces I had, starting right back from 2009 And when you kind of see them all together like that, you really start to see, oh, yeah, there's pieces I was doing in 2010 that are informing my Unity series. And there's things I was doing five years, seven years ago that are kind of informing this new series. And even though you kind of somehow think it's brand new that you've never done before, you kind of realize you've been working towards it for years.
1: It's kind of interesting. Well, what I find with this one is because it's a bit more precise, my birch trees have gotten much more loose. Really? I don't know if you noticed that in the the two that I submitted to the high art square show that you yeah had the studio? yeah much looser uh-huh. which i quite find that if i'm working on two very different series because the series i work on tend not to be one's an extension of the one before they tend to be very different because it's like okay i'm doing this but i want to try this other thing um so they're very very different and i find that um if one's um a more precise tighter thing it will make the other one looser and it helps tighten up the other work so it's nice to have the the two different things on my easel at once.
0: And do you find it hard to get, that must be a completely different mindset. Do you find it hard to get into that mindset of one or the other?
1: I think I find it easy to switch between them, but they are, they're very different, it is a very different mindset. Hmm.
0: Yeah, Yeah, because I I find it hard, like when I have to do, um, or when I'm doing some of my Unity series, which is much more precise, like you have to be much more straight line and much more controlled and it's much less just intuitive, erratic, (laughs) <laughs> other stuff is. I, I find it takes me a while to get myself into that headspace and then once I'm in it I love it and I tend to do a whack of them and then I kind of move on to something else but I can't flip back and forth like that
1: I think it's actually it's the opposite for me um, I almost have to I did this thing when I went for a job interview for the project manager job I had and you had to do this test it was like a logic test and it wasn't about whether you got the questions right or wrong it was about your working which you had to show was my manager afterwards he said the reason he hired me out of the people who got picked was that i came out as being left and right-brained which he thought would be really interesting to work with and i was like oh well that explains a lot <laughs> okay um means says i like to work with big concept things and i like to work with small details a bit in the middle of you know it's fine but i like both and it's very rare that you get both in one thing that you're working with or a hobby or what you're working you know whatever you're doing Uh I tend to like to have both in my life and I find if I do too much of one it's like my brain starts to crave something else I think actually my brain was really craving detail work right
0: So, kind of like if you eat too much sugar then you really crave vegetables exactly
1: (laughs) I kind of feel like, oh, I, I want to do a nice big Liv's Birch Tree now.
0: And so, where are you? Do you have uh, any shows planned that those are going to be available for viewing in real life, hopefully, finger crossed?
1: Yeah, see, I've got the Artist Network shows coming up. So, I'm doing, let's see, I'm doing the Raw, but I'm also, which is going to be online, I think, but also in August, we're doing the second Riverdale Art Walk. And then there's the Don Mills show in September. Mm-hmm. And I'm in, so I'm going to be, I think the earlier shows I'm going to be showing the birch trees because I'm still building up a portfolio of this work. And then as we get into September, it's going to switch more over into doing more of these.
0: Yeah, that's always hard, isn't it? To kind of transition kind of your collectors and your art lovers from one series to another. Especially if you're in an outdoor show, like you have to be so careful. You don't have just a mishmash of so many different things that people can't really transition or kind of read it.
1: I do find that because when I um, move to another series, I I do have them both in tandem, and so I want to be able to show both. But they're always so different, so it does look a bit chaotic in your booth, and it's really hard to make it look like it all fits together. Yeah, um, that can be, that can be a challenge. Yeah.
0: Yeah, because I find too. I I um I had one show where I had my unity on one side, and I still had some color field on one side, and I had my energy and motion at the front. And I really liked it, because for me, I kind of thought, you know, like, I'm showing all the work that I love, I'm showing the strongest pieces of all those collections, and there's a definitely, for me, there's a colour palette that runs through them all. But it was probably one of my worst years of the artist project in terms of selling, and I think it was because people had a hard time pinning down, what is it you're committing to, and what is the series that you're actually doing? It's Yeah, it's kind of an interesting way to transition that.
1: Yeah, it is hard. I mean, the last transition I did was between the Water Reflections series I did, and the, when I moved into doing the Birch Trees, and I thought, "Oh, great idea!" When I did the Riverdale walk, but I did is, I had a big black line along the middle of my tent. I don't know if you remember this. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I had actually no, it was the Dawn Mills show. And that's what it was. And I had all the water stuff below the horizon, and I had the trees above the horizon, and I had a little blurb next to each to say, "You know, above the horizon, this is you know what each series was about." And in my head, it looked like it was great. When I put it all in the tent, it was a hot mess. Um, <laughs> Because I wanted to show oh, a ton of stuff from each series. It was a way overhung.
0: Yeah, well, um, that is so hard, isn't it? It's kind of, wasn't that Chanel, Coco Chanel, she used to say, get yourself dressed and take off two pieces of jewellery? I almost feel like I need to apply that sometimes at the art shows because you're so excited about the new work and you don't want to risk you know missing something out, but it's so, you know, you need to pull those pieces back.
1: Yeah, so ever since that show, I've been a lot more minimal in what I put in a bit, give a bit more space to things. I think I had to be that terrible before I really learned the lesson. <laughs> Yeah, me too.
0: Obviously, I guess neither of us really learn by people telling us stuff. We have to just do it and learn from yourself. And are you still uh, are you still doing jewelry? Or Are you kind of giving up the jewelry?
1: Um, I'm. I don't make anymore because arthritic hands. I tried. To, I made a gift for someone just a year, two years ago, and it just a bit crippled my my hands. So I'm not able to do it anymore. I have. I actually have a ton of jewelry left over from like when I finished because I think when I I decided to stop. Um, you know, you, you know. I, I didn't do one last show. I decided um, sort of in between shows, it's like, no, I'm, I'm kind of I'm kinda done. So I still have a lot of stock. So one of the things I'm spending time doing two days a week at the moment is getting all that online to be shoppable because I've never had shoppable websites before because I've always been able to go to shows.
0: Right. It hasn't, been, yeah. That's one thing COVID has certainly done for artists, isn't it? Like it's forced us to look for that, you know other source of revenue by putting things online.
1: And it's not been a bad thing, but oh it's a lot of work. You know, I know. because I have i I've redesigned my whole um art website, but then I've gone back and I've said, okay, right, I need to do something about all this jewellery I've had sitting around for the last decade. That I've not done anything about, you know. Um, maybe it's time. <laughs> so uh, trying to get everything Online, it's been a momentous task, but a, a good one, a worthwhile one, and it's one I, you know, I get to keep the benefits of going forward. Yeah, for sure. So I have a weird question for you then,
0: because um, I was when I was doing the uh, like obviously when I do these talking to artists and I do a bit of a bio of the artist, but you have no bio on your website. You've got no information about you at all or your inspiration. Was that intentional? Like, were you looking to do a different kind of a different way of talking to your collectors about your work or?
1: I think there might be one in there, but it's not, well, okay, when I, we, uh, not all the bits from the old website went onto the new one, so there is one lurking around, it's just not actually been floating free somewhere, it's not been attached to the website, so I'll need to remedy. <laughs> okay, <that. laughs> I had to take it for your LinkedIn profile, just to let you know. <laughs> but I, I spent a lot of time. Um, when I was doing the way I grouped things, I wanted to group them in a way that I could have some blurb about each little series within what I'm doing, uh, that talks about what the inspiration was, the story behind, you know, the paintings, because I'm not there to talk to people when they uh-huh. say it anymore, you know. But yeah, the actual overarching blurb about who I am. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> well no the only reason i ask is because i'm in the middle of revamping my website too because i realized you know i put it together about 10 12 years ago and fundamentally the home page and the bio hasn't really changed in terms of what the messaging is i mean the, the artist statement changes but not dramatically and so uh, i was sort of doing all this reading about how to kind of really energize your homepage. and so that's why i was asking the question. because i thought well maybe that's kind of just what people are doing now where it's kind of like let the work stand on its own but
1: women of mystery <laughs>
0: exactly yeah. you want to find out about me you got to come to my show
1: <laughs> yeah it's just on my part <laughs> <laughs> okay well, I'm not
0: going to put you on the spot anymore sorry I didn't mean to do that
1: <laughs> when, when you, you have a well, you've been doing this for a long time you've had a website for a long time you almost don't notice how clunky it gets you just keep bolting bits on it it becomes like Frankenstein's website you are know, just like just keep adding bits of has got you know bits from different eras yeah. that have been Horned in and to actually take it and say, you know, let's start from scratch again. What do I want it to look like? And that's the first time I think I've truly done that properly, sat down and thought, okay, what do I need this to do? Because it now has to do a different job. It's not just to show you you have to, but it's like, okay, this is maybe the only place you can come and actually see my work now and and buy it.
0: But I think it's also, it used to be truly kind of brochure wear. I mean, you know, the reality is, is you, it was brochure where people read it, and they don't really engage, whereas now it becomes much more engaging. And I even had, because uh, I'm, I'm in the process of reworking my website, and I really need to kind of just step back and say, I'm going to take two weeks and write the whole thing and map it all out, which I haven't done. But one of the things I did do is I added a video about my process, because that was recommended to do. And when I was talking to just yesterday, she was uh, looking at doing a commission, and she said she showed her husband the video, and for him, that made him comfortable move forward to do the commission so you're like well i guess it does work (laughs) i guess i need to do more of that because people engage differently now with a website than they used to right yeah
1: and and also there's not everyone goes to websites a lot of people just want to see what you're doing on instagram
0: yeah yeah which of course the other part right to manage instagram and your facebook and your pinterest and your twitter and your you know linkedin your website it's like oh my god i need an assistant
1: (laughs) yeah a dozen different different places uh, where you can see me and use Slightly differently, so Instagram is where uh, it's more immediate. This is a picture of what's happening right now in the studio here's a video of how it's happening, whereas the website's got so much information on it already, I feel that you know how much more can I add to the website? yeah, too much for like overwhelming like, you know when you you log in, yeah yeah,
0: truly. So believe it or not, because you were afraid we weren't going to have enough talk about it. we're actually right at the end of our interview time. <laughs> As I thought, <laughs> I always like to enter my interviews with uh, if money yeah. and time were no option, what would your big hairy ass goal be?
1: It's funny because that, that's a that's a harder one to answer now because for my whole professional career, I've had this dream of having this fancy studio I'd love to be create a space I could be really creative in, and I have that, and it's I actually you know I kind of it's hard to answer that one, but honestly, if I could really have anything right now, it would be a personal assistant, someone who would do all my um, online stuff, who would stretch my canvases and prime things. And I would have someone who just did everything so that I could sit here and make me tea. So I could sit here and drink tea. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, I'm totally with you.
0: (laughs) I know we're even thinking within uh, Art Alchemy, uh, like there's probably enough between six artists that you could keep an assistant going and busy. Well, I know I could probably keep somebody busy almost full time, but yeah. I think you're right. That's the next step. Yeah, me too. Of course, not during COVID, but <laughs> I know I keep saying to my husband, like, retire faster. <laughs> that is not going to happen.
1: <laughs> Your husband's great um stretching canvases and you know, yeah, doing a lot of the he, all the the shipping containers and stuff, doesn't he? The built- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. Yeah, and he's
0: actually uh, doing my the podcast now, so kind of cleaning out, the, cleaning the audio and stuff like that to be able to get it into podcast form. But it's hard for him to do when he's mm-hmm. still working full-time, right? So,
1: Well, when he finally retires, are you thinking about really renting him out part-time? To- <laughs> I'll think about like that. One a week. <laughs> <that'll> be- <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, it has been so fabulous to talk to you. And uh, awesome. I love your new series. And say hi to Rob and Jessica for me, because I haven't seen them in ages either. Okay, and enjoy your day. Thanks so much. Great to right. see you. <laughs> Good to see you too. Okay, bye. So that was uh, that was lovely. I don't know. I guess you're going to have to execute yourself because I can't seem to, have to figure out how to get rid of Karen. <laughs> but So that was great. I really uh, it was wonderful to talk to Karen. I haven't seen her for so long, and we used to get together quite regularly, so I really miss her and her husband, Dave. Um, so just uh, moving forward, next week we've got Olga, who is a Canadian who's now living in the U.K., so looking forward to chatting with her. And then we got Rod Prowse, who is an, quite an incredible landscape artist. And so I... Uh know him very well. So that'll be really great to learn more about his process and his work and how it's really dramatically changed. And then we are going to redo the um, how to do an outdoor show. Um, I really was so appreciative that Angela stepped in last week. It was a little bit chaotic, lots of good information, but a little bit chaotic. So we're going to try and be a bit more structured. And so if you have any questions or anything that you want answered before that, then send it to me, DM me, and I'll make sure that we incorporated that into uh, into the session. So one of the reasons I don't typically answer questions while we're doing the interviews is because of the fact that that a lot of people listen to these versus watch them. And then when I take them into uh, into YouTube, then it becomes a bit distracting. So anyway, send me stuff ahead of time. If you missed this interview or any of the previous ones, it's on my Facebook page. It's also on uh, youtube.com slash Kate Taylor Art. If you get a chance to go and subscribe, that would be super cool. And I'm in the process of converting them into podcasts. I think I only have like, five right now because they're just taking a long time because the audio is kind of crappy on some of them. And that is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, a bunch of stuff under Talking to Artists. So thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to chatting with you next week.